Chapter 16 The Answer Back to the Buddha The Master was exceedingly grateful for this imperial favor and bowed low and gave thanks. He then removed his whole household to Green Mountain Castle, which was among the hills to the south of the city. The towers were all in good repair, and the views from their tops, beautiful beyond comparison, were like the fairy vistas of the Pongnai Hills. The main hall was empty, and there he placed the imperial rescripts and orders. In the inner pavilion, he made the two princesses live and the six sisters. Day by day, in company with his household, he visited the groves and streams, enjoyed the light of the moon, or went into the valleys to seek cherry blossoms. There, they wrote verses as they sat under the shade of the pines, or played on the harp, so that all who knew of it spoke with admiration of their happy old age. Desiring quiet, the master no longer saw guests or callers. On the 16th of the eighth moon, which was his birthday, a great feast was held at which all the members of his clan were present. It lasted for 10 days, during which time the whole place was astir. When it was over and quiet had returned, the retired mode of life was resumed. A little later came the ninth moon, when the buds of the chrysanthemum began to open and the so-you berries bloomed red on the high peaks and ledges of the hills. To the west of Green Mountain Castle was a high tower from which a view of the Chin River was to be had, stretching a hundred miles, silvery and clear, in its long expanse of water. The master greatly enjoyed this view, and one day he took the two princesses and the six ladies with him to the top. Each had a wreath of chrysanthemum flowers encircling her brow. And as they looked off over the autumn valleys, they passed the glass together. Suddenly, the descending sun cast a shadow from the neighboring peak that ran a shaft of darkness over the wide stretch of plain. The master drew forth his green stone flute and began to play. The tune was one plaintive beyond expression, as though heaped up sorrows and hidden tears had broken forth upon them. The ladies' hearts were overcome with sadness, joy departed, and deep, long shadows closed down upon the soul. The two princesses asked, Your Excellency has won everything in the way of honor and fame. You are rich in goods that you have long enjoyed, with which the world blesses you, something but rarely seen. When you are so happily circumstanced, with the beautiful world outstretched before you, and the golden flowers dropping their petals at your feet, why should you suggest sadness and sorrow? With our loving hearts around you, too, what more could you have of what the world calls happiness? The notes of your flute break our hearts and cause our tears to flow. You never did this before. What does it mean? Then the master threw away the flute, drew aside, and resting on the railing of the balcony, pointed to the darkening landscape and said, When I look north, a stretch of level country greets me as far as the eye can see. One dismantled hilltop only breaks the view. The falling light of the evening 
permits me to see indistinctly amid the long grass the ruined Abang Palace, where dwelt the Emperor Chin Si. When I look west, the lonely winds rustle the dry reeds of the evening as the mists crown the hill over the deserted tomb of Muji of Han. As I look east, a white wall encircles a hill, and a red-tiled palace rises skyward, over which the moon now casts its beams. The marble railings show no one resting on them, for it is the long-vacated palace of Hyun Jong, where he dallied his days away with the famous woman, Yang Kuipi. Alas, these were all kings of great renown, who made their gates of the surrounding sea and their court of the far-stretching world. All the people were their subjects and were at their service as courtiers or mistresses. Their mighty powers and talents were enlisted in the search of the eternal Pongnai Hills, where they might enjoy unending bliss forever. I, so you, in my boyhood was a poor scholar, but I have been blessed with the enduring favors from His Majesty and elevated to the highest rank. The members of my household have lived together in sweetness and accord till this time of old age. If it had not been for the affinity of a former existence, how could this have been? By reason of this mysterious bond, it has all come to pass. When the term fixed for this mortal life is completed, we must part. And when once death has swept us away, even this lofty tower shall fall, and the fair lake beneath us shall be dried up. This palace hall, where today is music and dancing, will be overgrown with grass, and the mists will cover it. Children who gather wood or feed their cattle on the hillside will sing their songs and tell our mournful story, saying, This is where Master Yang made merry with his wives and family. All his honors and delights, all the pretty faces of his ladies, are gone forever. The boy who gathers wood and the lad who cares for the cattle will look upon this place of ours, just as I look upon the palace and tomb of the kings that have gone before us. When I think of it, a man's life is only the span of a moment after all. There are three religions on earth, Confucianism, Taoism, and Buddhism. Among the three, Buddhism is the most spiritual. Confucianism deals with terrestrial matters and has to do with the duties of man to man. It helps to pass on names to posterity. Taoism is related to the misty and unknown, and though it has many followers, there is no proof of its verity. Since I gave up office, I have dreamed of meditation before the Buddha. This is proof of my affinity with the god. Just as Chang Japang followed Chok Songja, the fairy, I, too, must say farewell to my home and go to the distant shore, there to seek the merciful Buddha, ascend the sacred hall, and bow low before his image. The way that has no birth and no death beckons to me and puts off all the sorrows of life. To you with whom I have spent so many happy days, I must say a long farewell. And so my sorrow and loss is expressed by the sad notes of the greenstone flute. The ladies, in their former existence, had been the eight fairies who lived on Namak Mountain. Now they had fulfilled their human affinity.
and hearing the master's word, they were moved by it, and said each to the other, In the midst of all his affluence, the master's speech is evidently at the command of God. We eight sisters, who have lived our life in these inner quarters, and have bowed night and morning before the Buddha, shall await the departure of our Lord. When he goes, he will assuredly meet the enlightened one, and the righteous friends who have gone before him, and will hear the words of life. Our humble wish is that after he has attained, he may be pleased to teach us the way. The master, greatly delighted, said, Since your hearts are one with mine, in this you need have no fear. I start tomorrow. The ladies all said, We shall each raise the glass that wishes you great peace on the eternal way. Just at the moment when they had given orders to the serving maids to bring the glasses, the fall of a staff was heard on the stone pavement beyond the open balcony. They exclaimed, Who has come, I wonder? Immediately, an old priest appeared before them, with eyebrows an L long and eyes like the waves of the blue sea. His appearance and his behavior were mysterious and wonderful. He ascended the tower sat down before the master and said, A dweller from the hills seeks audience with your excellency. Already the master knew that he was no common man, so he arose quickly and made a respectful obeisance as he replied, Whence comes the honored teacher? The old priest made answer, Do you not know an old friend? I have heard before that you had a gift for forgetfulness, and now I find that it is true. The master looked carefully, and then he thought he recognized the face, but he was not sure. Suddenly, he recollected, and turning to the ladies said, When I went into Tibet against the rebels, in my dream, after I had shared the feast of the Dragon King and was on my way home, I went for a little up the Namak hills and saw an aged priest sitting in the seat of the master, reciting with his disciples the sacred sutras of the Buddha. The priest whom I saw there is the same who greets me now. The priest clapped his hands, laughed, and said, You are right, right. You remember, however, seeing me in your dream only. The ten years that we spent together you have forgotten all about. Who would say that the Master Yang was an enlightened man? Yang, not knowing what he meant, replied, When I was sixteen, I was still with my parents. I then passed my examinations, and from that time entered office, and did not again leave the capital, till I went south as an envoy. My next journey was to put down the Tibetans. There is no place that my feet have traveled over that I do not recall. When did I spend ten years with you, sir? The priest looked sad and said, Your Excellency has not yet awakened from your dark dream. Have you, great teacher, any means of awakening me? asked Yang. That is not difficult, said the priest. He raised his stone staff and struck the railing, when suddenly a white cloud arose all about them that came forth from the recesses of the hills till it enclosed the tower and made all dark and indistinct so that no one could see. The master, bewildered as in a dream, called loudly, Will the teacher not teach me the true way, instead of applying to me the terrors of magic? He did not finish what he was about to say, for suddenly the clouds moved off, 
and everybody had disappeared, including the priest and the eight ladies. He was greatly alarmed and mystified, and looked with wonder to find the tower with its ornamented curtains. But it also had passed from view. He turned his eyes upon himself to find his body, and there he was, sitting cross-legged on a little round mat in a silent temple. There was an incense brazier before him from which the fires had died out. The moon was descending towards the west. He felt his head, and it had just been shaved, with only the prickly roots noticeable. A string of a hundred and eight beads was round his neck, and there he was, a poor insignificant priest, with all the glory of General Yang departed from him. His mind and soul were hopelessly confused, and his heart beat with trepidation. He suddenly awakened and said, I am Song Jin, a priest of Yanwa Monastery. As he thought over the past, he remembered how he had been reprimanded and what had followed. He recalled his flight to Hades and how he had transmigrated into human life, how he had become a clansman of the Yang family, his passing the examination and becoming a high halim, his promotion to the rank of general and later to be the head of the entire official service, how he had memorialized the emperor to resign his office, his retirement with the two princesses and the six ladies, how he had enjoyed music and dancing and the notes of the harp and lute, how he had drunk wine and played at go and had lived his days in pleasure. Now, it was all as a passing dream. Then he said, The teacher indeed, knowing my great sin, sent me forth to dream this dream of life, so that I might learn the fleeting character and instability of all earthly things and the vain loves of humankind. So he hastened to the stream of water rushing by and washed his face, put on his priest's cassock and hat, and went to take his place among the disciples before the teacher. When they were arranged in order, the teacher called with a loud voice and said, Song Jin, how did you find the joys of mortal life? Song Jin bowed, shed tears and said, I have at last come to realize what life means. My life has been very impure, and my sins I can lay at no one's door but my own. I have loved in a lost and fallen world, where for endless kalpas I should have suffered sorrow and misery, had not the honored teacher, by a dream of the night, awakened my soul to see. In the ages to come I can never, never sufficiently thank thee for what thou hast done for me. The teacher said, You have gone abroad on the wings of worldly delight, and have seen and known for yourself. What part have I had in it, pray? You say that you have dreamed a dream of mortal life upon the wheel, and that now you think the two to be different, the world and the dream itself. But that is not so. If you think it so, it will show that you are not yet awakened from your sleep. Master Cheng became a butterfly, and the butterfly became Master Cheng. Was Cheng's becoming a butterfly a dream, or was the butterfly's becoming Cheng a dream? You, Song Jin, now think yourself reality, in your past life a dream only. You do not reckon yourself one and the same as the dream, 
Which shall I label the dream? You, Song Jin, or you, So Yu? Song Jin replied, I am a darkened soul, and so cannot distinguish which is the dream and which is the actual reality. Please, teacher, open to me the truth and let me know. The teacher said, I shall explain to you the Diamond Sutra to awaken your soul, but there are other and new disciples whom I am shortly expecting. I await their coming. Before he had ended speaking, the gatekeeper came in to say, The eight fairies of Lady Wee who called yesterday have again arrived before the gate and desire to see the great teacher. They were invited in, and as they entered, they joined hands and bowed, saying, We maids, though we wait upon Lady Wee, are untaught and unlearned, and have never known how to repress the lawless workings of the soul. Our earthly desires have gone forth after sin and evil in the dream of mortal life, and there is no one to save us but the great teacher, who in love and mercy himself came to call us. We went yesterday to Lady Wee, confessed our sins and wrongdoings, and asked forgiveness. Now we have bade a long farewell to her, and have come home to the Buddha. We humbly pray that the great teacher will forgive our many shortcomings and tell us the way to the blessed life. He answered, Though your desire is one greatly to be praised, the law of the Buddha is deep and hard to attain. It cannot be learned in a moment of time. Unless there be great earnestness and a deep heart of longing, it can never be attained. I ask that you fairy maidens think well over it before you decide. The eight fairies then withdrew, washed the rouge and color from their faces, and put aside the silks and satins in which they were bedecked. They took scissors and cut away their clouds of floating hair, and again entered to say, We have made the necessary changes in our persons, and will take the teaching of the Master with sincere and faithful hearts. The teacher answered, Good, good. Since you eight have thus shown your true and earnest purpose, why should I longer withhold the truth from you? Then he led them to their places in the hall of the Buddha and made them recite the sacred sutras and the chinon. Thus did Song Jin and the eight priestesses awaken to the truths of religion and become partakers of the Buddha. The great teacher, seeing the faithfulness and devotion of Song Jin, called his disciples to him and said, I came from a far distant world to the empire of the Tangs in order to preach the truth. At last, I have found one who can take my place, and the time has come for me to go. He took his cassock, his alms dish, water bottle, his ornamented staff, his diamond sutra, gave them to Song Jin, bade farewell, and took his departure to the west. From this time, Song Jin became chief of the disciples on the heights of Yonhua and taught the doctrine so that fairies, dragons, demons, and men all revered him, as they did the late great teacher. The eight priestesses, too, served him as their master, drank deeply of the doctrine, and at last they all reached the blissful heights of the paradise to come. And that's the end of the Cloud Dream of the Nine. I had no idea what to expect, 
I definitely got it. I hope that you enjoyed it. And there's going to be some other things coming up soon. Got a piece of fan fiction written by a friend of mine. List of different kinds of knots. I'm very excited about that one. And we're going to do some special things for Halloween. Definitely going to read at least one Edgar Allan Poe story. And um, if there's anything that you'd like to hear or anything you would like to let me know, remember you can email me, leahlouder at gmail.com, L-E-A-H-L-O-U-D-E-R at gmail.com.